Hello and welcome to another very special episode of Let Me Explain You a Thing. My name is Andrew and this is the podcast where I talk extemporaneously on a subject I know a decent amount about. Usually on my drive to work, I'm actually driving home from work right now. So today, I thought we would talk a little bit about the role in the magic storyline of Phyrexia, new Phyrexia specifically. What, what, what do they got cooking? What's going on here? What is March of the Machines all about? We've seen some very interesting and provocative card designs coming out of, uh, you know, the spoilers that we have so far, and I thought I'd, I'd give a little backdrop for what all is going on here. So to really get into it, we have to go back quite a ways, uh, actually centuries in universe. Um, not, not that many centuries, uh, magic story spans, of, of the story that we have, like, novels about, the story spans, like, 10,000 years, uh, but what I'm covering is just, like, maybe a couple, few hundred years ago, something like that, um, any rate, so, Karn, uh, was a silver golem constructed by the planeswalker Urza, who, whose name probably stands above all others in terms of, you know, most powerful single beings in the multiverse in its history. Um, Karn uh, put the heartstone of his friend, the Phyrexian uh, sleeper agent Zancha, into Karn to give him life and a soul and a personality. Um, this also enabled... Karn, you know, basically in Magic Story, only beings with souls can planeswalk, can become planeswalkers, can hold the spark that makes them planeswalkers. This is why we've never had, like, an angel or a demon planeswalker. You could say Obnixilis is a planeswalker who is a demon. Um, he was originally a human who became, was, like, cursed and became a demon. A human planeswalker who later became a demon, lost his spark by becoming a demon, and then regained it. I, I'm not sure how. Um, at any rate, yeah, check out Obnixilis of the Black Oath for him as, you know, a human planeswalker in his, you know, earlier days. Um, anyway, so we've got, uh, we've got Karn the Silver Golem. He gains a spark. I'm not sure. I think it might actually be Urza's spark originally. And I think he's he's housed multiple sparks. He did not, as a non-natural being, he did not, you know, he was not born with a spark or created with a spark. He, but because he has a soul, he has been the vessel for various other characters' sparks. Um, Karn, uh, because he had a Phyrexian, a heartstone of Phyrexian origin. Very tragically, he contained the Phyrexian oil in his very being, in his core, uh, that allows the Phyrexians to... Basically, the oil, the glistening oil, contains the full blueprints... I said blueprints really weird. The full blueprints of Phyrexia, of old Phyrexia, of... Uh, the knowledge of, of Yogmoth um, as the father of machines and so forth, and everything that Phyrexia was and represented is contained in every every ounce of oil. Um, Karn, you know, as a planeswalker, after 
the Phyrexian invasion of Dominaria was repelled. Uh, Karn kind of goes off. Urza gives his life in the pursuit, um, and Karn absorbs his spark. Uh, Karn is a very, um, very methodical, very intellectual, uh, being, and he, uh, you know, having this this power of an old planeswalker pre-mending. The mending was the event uh, at the conclusion of the time spiral block that healed a bunch of time rifts on Dominaria, but irrevocably, irrevocably changed the nature of the planeswalker's spark. Um, the mending was... It, it basically brought planeswalkers down in power from immortal gods to more human-like you know, basically powerful mages who just happen to be able to travel the multiverse. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Karn, actually, because at this time he was an old walker, he creates an entire plane, which he calls Argentum. It's designed to be a home for Golem, um, and to be a place of uh, artifice and mathematical precision. Um, Argentum, he sets up a, uh, he, he takes the Mirari, um, which was a powerful and, uh, warping magical artifact, uh, that had actually started mutating many, uh, of the peoples of the continent of Otaria on Dominaria. Karn takes the, at the conclusion of that story, uh, Odyssey and Onslaught blocks, respectively, um, Karn takes the Mirari and fashions it into uh, a being called Memnarch, who is a golem. I'm not sure if he's technically a golem, actually. Um, but Memnarch is a being who Karn sets up as caretaker of Argentum in Karn's absence, because he sets up the plane, he enjoys it for a while, and then he's like, alright, that's cool, I'm gonna check out other things in the multiverse. I think I would too, if I was a planeswalker. I'd be like, great, got a good thing going here, let's see what else the, the whole fucking universe has to offer. Um, so, sadly, uh, because the Mirari is kind of a warping uh, artifact, uh, Memnarch actually himself becomes warped. Um, and stops caring for the plane in Karn's vision, and begins, uh, he sets up what he calls soul traps, uh, that begin gathering specimens of creatures from across the multiverse. I'm not sure how he's able to accomplish this, but that's how Mirrodin becomes populated with beings beyond the golem. And I'm not sure, maybe the trolls are also are also taken... I'm not sure if they're taken from other planes or if they're endemic to Argento. But... So Memnarch also renames the plane Mirrodin. And this is the, the plane that we've come to be introduced to, uh, you know, at the start of the Mirrodin block. Um, all the, the details about Karn creating the plane and, you know, its history as Argentum are, are kind of prelude to this. So... Uh, Memnarch, his whole deal is that he is trying to gather these natural creatures, these living beings, 
from other planes and, like, make them fight, basically put them into, uh, conflict so that one of them can manifest a spark that he can eventually steal and he can, like, become like Karn and travel the multiverse. That's his whole goal. That's what he's about. And that's why Mirrodin has such an eclectic range of species. We've got, uh, Leonin, possibly originally came from Theros, who knows, or Alara. Uh, we have Vidalkin, who might have come from Ravnica or Kaladesh. Uh, we've got elves, who could have come from a variety of places. Uh, we have goblins, ditto, variety of possible points of origin, uh, and so forth, as well as humans. Um, so the, yeah, so, uh, I, I'm not actually sure what becomes of, well, we find out what becomes of Memnarch much later. I'm not sure what becomes of Memnarch at the conclusion of the Mirrodin storyline. I, I believe Slobad, the goblin artificer, uh, manifests a spark and gives it up to save his friends, uh, the elf Glissa sad story there. Um, and I believe Geth is also among those friends, which is wild. <laughs> sad, sadder story, maybe, in Geth. Uh, anyway, so the... So that's Mirrodin. And unfortunately, Karn, basically, the whole germ of this Phyrexia, of new Phyrexia, is because comes comes about from Karn uh, polluting Mirrodin at its very core with the glistening oil from his hearthstone. Uh, unknowingly. He was not aware that, that he was spreading the oil. Also, as an artificial being, I don't think Karn is vulnerable to uh, phyresis and then completion the same way natural beings are. They cannot be corrupted in the same way. Or maybe the fact that he's a planeswalker made him immune. For many, many years in the story, planeswalkers were immune from completion because they could not, like, or not immune from completion. They could be completed. It would render them no longer planeswalkers. So kind of have that backwards. But by completing a being, uh, their their soul is removed. They're usually killed. Um, so the soul is not in the body and. Uh, the spark is attached to the soul. It's a, an aspect of one's soul and personality. So, um, what else do we have? Uh, yeah, so Argentum, Mirrodin, then New Phyrexia. Uh, this happens when, after an interval, uh, the plane, the, the glistening oil begins to metastasize and, you know, spread, and unfortunately, more and more planeswalkers, not planeswalkers, um, increasingly, uh, increasingly, Mirrodin, uh, you know, beings become completed, uh, you know, there's more, um, more of Mirrodin is falling to the Phyrexians. More uh, Phyrexian creations are being born directly out of the oil. 
and fighting against uh, the the native Mirans. And so this is the story of Scars of Mirrodin block. There's a small cadre of planeswalkers. This is when the cat, the overall cast of planeswalkers was much smaller. There's a small cadre of planeswalkers, uh, Venser, uh, who first appeared in Future Sight. He then has a planeswalker card in um, Scars of Mirrodin. He was sort of like a teleportation mage, was his uh, specialty. Um, so Venser, Koth, who is a Geomancer, uh, mono-red aligned, and Elspeth, uh, who we, we had first seen, we had been introduced to on Alara, um, has, I believe, always been a mono-white planeswalker. Um, so these three go on a quest to find Karn. I, I believe Venser spearheads that. I'm not sure how they all come together as a troop. But they get to the core of Mirrodin and find Karn uh, enshrined there as the new father of machines um, by the Phyrexians. They free him. Uh, this is a, a perilous journey, and it involves Venser sacrificing his life and his spark uh, to redeem Karn. So I believe Karn has had three different people's sparks. First Urza's, then uh, Jessica's, was the sister of, uh, what's his name, the Balduvian uh, barbarian, then druid, Kamal, um, then Jessica's spark, then uh, Venser's spark, and I believe Venser is, uh, you know, spark is, is who he has today. Um, so anyway, Karn, Karn uh, Liberated is Karn's first Planeswalker card. It's not his debut as a character, but his debut as a Planeswalker uh, card. And Karn uh, leaves and, uh, you know, uh, Koth is a Planeswalker, but he's, he's from Mirrodin originally, so he stays with the plan of you know, rallying the uh, Mirans to his cause. There's a great piece of flavor text from, I believe, Darksteel Plate, which is a an artifact. It's an equipment that gives... It, it itself is indestructible, and it grants indestructible to the equipped creature. The flavor text is, if there can be no victory, then I will fight forever, which is stirring. Um... So, yeah, uh, Koth stays uh, to rally the Mirans. Um, the, over the course of Scars of Mirrodin block, uh, we start from Scars of Mirrodin, where the Phyrexians are a trace, an ominous, uh, small trace presence. And then we get to uh, Mirrodin Besieged, where the sides are, the Phyrexians have grown enormously in numbers and strength. And we're basically talking about 50-50, uh, a 50-50 conflict. They actually uh, had teased two possible sets as a follow-up, either Mirrod and Pure, where this, uh, the plane uh, wins its struggle against the Phyrexians, and um, uh, and eradicates them. Uh, defeats them 
Mirrodin Pure and New Phyrexia, where the Phyrexians are victorious and succeed in completing the very plane itself. Um, so, what we got, you know, was some people think <laughs> to this day that there were two different sets that were made, and the set that was released was whichever one won at, or whichever side won at the Mirrodin Besieged pre release. <laughs> Um, it was a pretty sweet pre-release. You could get, uh, faction packs for either Phyrexia or Mirrodin as your pre-release kit. Or maybe it was, like, a supplement. Or maybe, no, those were the, the sets for Mirrodin Besieged. And then you got some Scars of Mirrodin packs as well. That's how pre-releases used to work, uh, in the days when, uh, there were, you know, three set and two set blocks as well. Um, you get the, some of the base set and then some of the expansion. Um, any rate, so, so Mirrodin Besieged, yeah, then, uh, Mirrodin Pure was a fantasy, however. Uh, what we got was New Phyrexia, which, it's basically Scars of Mirrodin, but reversed. Uh, the Phyrexians are enormously ascendant, and the Mirans maintain, like, a small trace, uh, resistance to, uh, to, uh, Phyrexia. Um, so, Karn escapes, Elspeth escapes, Elspeth goes to Theros, uh, fairly immediately, tries to rally, uh, support there, um, ends up, uh, killed by Heliod, the sun god, who is a true bastard, and because she's killed on Theros, she goes to <laughs> Theros's underworld, uh, and she is trapped there until they stage a daring prison break some years later. It might not be years in the story, I don't know. Uh, it's years in real world time. Karn, meanwhile, uh, goes out wandering the multiverse, kind of, we find out, uh, he, he, he appears in, on Ravnica for the War of the Spark, that's, you know, I get it, like, you want to stop Nicol Bolas, but then pretty immediately afterwards is, or no, I guess before that, he appears in Dominaria Unite, or not, yes, Dominaria United, but before that, Dominaria, the set Dominaria. He is on Dominaria trying to convince anybody who will listen that the Phyrexians are out there again, and you guys, we gotta do something. We gotta drop everything and stop them. Uh, he is... He does not get support in that fight. Um, and then War of the Spark, and then Dominaria United. The story is... He's back on Dominaria. He is... He... His goal is to find the... Uh, Golgothian Silex, or secrets that can allow him to reproduce it. Karn, one of Karn's abilities is that he's able to, like, based on his knowledge of an artifact, he can create it whole cloth from his mind. Um, so he uses this power to create a variety of devices throughout the story, um, very useful devices, uh, based on being able to visualize a schematic and manifest it. Very cool ability. Very useful. And he is researching the Silex 
doing archaeological studies to find anything he can about the Golgothian Silex, which was used uh, about 4,500 years ago in universe time uh, on Dominaria, on the continent of Tirisir, to basically nuke the continent, destroy... So this is the Brothers' War story, as a matter of fact. Um, so Urza fought against his brother Mishra in a decades-long conflict known as the Brothers' War. Uh, Mishra uh, ultimately... Uh, Mishra and his assistant Ashnod accidentally released the old Phyrexian Praetor uh, known as Gix. Um, not released, I guess, like, re reestablished a portal that Yagmoth himself, as a human, had used thousands of years before then. Um, something like negative 5,000 Argivian Reckoning. For what it's worth, Urza and Mishra were both born in zero Argivian Reckoning. That's why, you know, their, their birth is tagged to, uh, the Argivian calendar. They were both of Argive themselves. Urza was born on the first day of the year, Mishra on the last. That fueled their sibling rivalry. Um, you can go back and listen to the story of uh, the Brothers' War. I have a podcast about that as well. Um, but at any rate, so uh, Mishra is ultimately completed by Gix. Uh, Urza uses the Golgothian Silex, which is a device found by a different group, the Third Path, um, who is a group of wizards uh, resistant to... Uh, who didn't didn't want to side with Urza or Mishra. Uh, the Silex falls into Ashnod's hands, who then gives it to Thanos, who is working closely with Urza, uh, Urza's apprentice for, for many years. Um... Thanos gives it to Urza, who then unleashes its fearsome power on uh, the island of Argoth. Uh, this event, known as the Silex Blast, uh, was so powerful. Not only did it cause thousands of years of nuclear winter on Dominaria, um, not only did it destroy completely all of Urza and Mishra's forces, and would have killed Urza as well if he had not ascended to Planeswalker status at the moment of de detonation. <coughs> um, but this blast also created what was known as the Shard of Twelve Worlds. It partitioned Dominaria and eleven other planes from the rest of the multiverse for a period of thousands of years. For many years, Dominaria... Uh, was, was kind of off on its own and separated from the multiverse. No planeswalkers could get in or out except to, you know, from Dominaria to, you know, any of these other 11 worlds and, and vice versa. Um, so, remarkably, and it, it also caused a major rift in time that then had to be uh, mended uh, <laughs> no pun intended, during the events of the Time Spiral Block. There were other such events of apocalyptic nature, um, I believe, on Dominaria that caused time rifts. Uh, Teferi phasing out uh, Zalfir, Zalfir, however you want to say it, um, to protect it from the Phyrexian invasion. Uh, 
the death of Corona, who is a being fused of Acroma and uh, Phage. Um, that she was a false god, like of of godly power, and her death also uh, created a, a time rift. Um, but yeah, so there were all these events that that caused rifts that then had to be dealt with. Um, that's unrelated to Phyrexia, I suppose. Uh, so anyway, Karn is trying to find... Now we jump to the Dominari United storyline. Well, I guess I guess previous to then, we had had whispers of Phyrexians reappearing in the story. Like, Vorinclex uh, appears in call time, totally out of nowhere. Um, he is... Uh, so Kaldheim has this unique property, thanks to its world tree, that enables it to contact other planes. Like, basically, its ten realms are kind of subplanes, almost like how Alara was before uh, the Conflux. Um, Kaldheim's ten realms are frequently connected by omen paths, which are, uh, like, the Ten Realms are all, like, held aloft in the branches of the World Tree, right? Uh, just like in Norse mythology. And, uh, they occasionally collide, sometimes violently, uh, when the World Tree opens omen paths between them. Um, and you can travel between these planes, basically. Um, anyway, so... So, Kaldheim... Uh, Vorinclex shows up on call time, I think because, I'm not sure if he got there himself, or if because Kaldheim opened a play, uh, an omen path to New Phyrexia, which occasionally happens, like, not just with New Phyrexia, but with other planes. Kaldheim can, you know, bro uh, breach other planes as well as its other, its own ten realms. Um... And this, you know, happens very occasionally. Um, anyway, so Vorinclex steals some of the sap of the world tree before disappearing uh, into an omen path, uh, heading back into to New Phyrexia. You know, he might have traveled by the planar bridge. This is how Fire, uh, Praetors later, Phyrexian Praetors later, would, would get around to other planes. Um, like Jinkataxia showing up on Kamigawa. Uh, that's a really momentous moment for the... Momentous moment? M momentous moment uh, for the Phyrexians um, because they... That... Jinkataxia studying the nature of Kamigawa, studying the Kami uh, and the spirit realm, learns how to keep a, a planeswalker's soul in their body, but still complete them. And that experiment he first uses to complete Tamiyo. So that was a big deal for the, the Phyrexians. Big, big W for them. Um, so the... And, uh, worth noting that, uh, Jinkataxius gets to uh, Phyrexia with the cooperation of the planeswalker Tezzeret. Tezzeret, another major bastard in our stories. Um, Tezzeret was 
uh, originally like a kid from the wrong side of the tracks in uh, in Esper um, and uh, kind of fell in with Nicol Bolas for a time. Um, so did the Planeswalker Sarkin, uh, who worships dragons, is a huge weeb for dragons because his home plane did not have any, uh, at least from the original timeline um, that he grew, grew up in. Um, and that's Tarkir. That's the, the Tarkir story, if you want to look into that. But uh, Sarkin doesn't really have a lot of attachment to this. Um, Tezzeret was working for Bolas. He showed up on uh, Mirrodin during the uh, Mirrodin-Phyrexian War. He was given some form of inoculation by Nicol Bolas against the Phyrexians, which you kind of wonder, like, what was that? How can we get more of it? Um, does Bolas have some secrets? I was kind of anticipating that Bolas would be, like, uh, you know broken out of jail, you know, on a very temporary basis to be a great anti-hero against the Phyrexians, but hey. So at any rate, um, Bolas doesn't have a lot of bearing on this story, but he did protect for, uh, uh, Tezzeret against Phyresis, against becoming completed. Um, that allowed Tezzeret a lot of power when he, you know, later... Like, Tezzeret goes off to Kaladesh, uh, gets the planar bridge installed in, in his body, um, the planar bridge that Rashmi had, uh, developed. He steals it, installs it in himself, and escapes, and that's what enables Tezzeret to port, like, because the planar bridge can only transfer non-living material between the planes. Um, he is able to use that to send Bolas's army of Eternals, uh, Lazotab-plated, uh, elite zombie warriors from, uh, Amenket, um, and send them to Ravnica for the War of the Spark. Um, so Tezzeret has that technology installed in him. He is able to transfer uh, non-living material through the planes, it would kill any living, any living being, any living tissue to go through it. Um, however, we come to learn that Tezzeret is collaborating with the Phyrexians, and he is using the planar bridge to send Phyrexian Praetors among the planes. Maybe we're led to believe that Vorinclax uh, gets to Kaldheim because, hey, it opens Omen Paths. That's a thing. Um, and then, you know, we find out that, oh no, is Tezzeret, like, bringing them around. Turns out that, however, the Phyrexian Praetors are part living tissue and part machine. Apparently they are enough machine that after being transported by the planar bridge uh, and having all their all their living organic tissue wiped away, uh, the machine portion of them is enough that they can, um, they can, like, reconstitute themselves. And we meet Urabrask in this state of reconstitution, uh, on New Capenna later on, and he's, he's pretty worse for wear. He's, like, in a safe house, kind of hiding out. But that's when he reveals that he's sort of working against the Phyrexians, or at least against Elish Norn. Um, 
he's kind of in a state of rebellion and he is looking for, you know, uh, help, collaborators, whatever, among the Gatewatch. Um, so yeah, we have Vorinclax on Kaldheim, Jingataxius on, uh, Kamigawa, um, uh, Urabrask on New Capenna, and then we have, uh, Shieldred leading an invasion of Dominaria, the second Phyrexian invasion. This is, Shieldred is unique in, uh, the fact that she, basically, the interesting thing about New Phyrexia is that the Phyrexians were split and refracted into all five colors of mana. This was not the case with the old Phyrexians, which were mono-black, basically, um, as was Yawgmoth. Um, and this refraction into all five colors allows them a lot of power. Uh, it allows them access to the abilities and strengths of other colors, but it also makes them fractious. And they are, you know, kind of at odds with one another. And we learned this in the very beginning in New Phyrexia, where even after, like, even immediately after they had won their conflict against the Mirrodins and secured uh, the plane for themselves, they immediately began infighting. Um, Urabrask uh, had decreed that he would not pursue uh, the um, Mirrodins living in the Furnace Layer, which was his, his sphere of influence. Um, Whereas uh, Shieldred and Elish Norn immediately set about, uh, like, trying to, uh, like, contesting for the title of Mother of Machines. Spoiler alert, Elish Norn wins that struggle. Um, and, you know, the other Praetors, like Jingataxius and uh, Vorinclex being at loggerheads, there's a piece of flavor text where, uh, Jingataxius refers to, um, his, his, the sophistication of, um, the great synthesis, which is his interpretation of Phyrexian dogma. Um, he refers to Vorinclex as <laughs> Vorinclex's, uh, uh, edicts as slobberings, which is a great way to describe someone's speech. Um, yeah, so, so, you know, what we have here is five Praetors who each develop their own interpretation of, uh, what Phyrexia should be and how it should be enacted. Um, Elish Norn was, I think, uh, Elish Norn's interpretation was that all will be one, that Phyrexia must be a, you know, massive conglomeration of as many planes as could be united under the Phyrexian banner, um, which was sort of new. I think, like, Phyrexians had, uh, contact with other planes even in the olden days, um, but, you know, 
in like a trading relationship kind of sense in some cases like uh mercadia was a a major like trading hub for old phyrexia but phyrexia kind of left them alone and did not attempt to assimilate them why Yagmoth and the Phyrexians attempted to invade and take over Dominaria? I think because Dominaria was uh, Yagmoth's home plane, and they, you know, had like rebuffed him in the past. So maybe part revenge, part whatever. I mean, Yagmoth himself had, you know, this fascistic ideology of bringing everyone under his, you know, uh, glorious, you know, uh, vision under this big tent. And yeah, in some ways, Elish Norn, uh, Elish Norn uh, is a truer successor to Yagmoth than Shieldred, um, in spite of the like difference in in color uh, colors of mana that they represent. So anyway, uh, jumping forward, um, I'm home. I'm parked. I'm just gonna sit in my car and talk <laughs> for a little bit uh, since we're not quite at the the time that I, I aim for. Um, anyway, so. Where are we at? I guess, yeah, we also see uh, Shieldred kind of stripped bare by transport uh, uh, via planar bridge. Um, Rona, uh, who's been represented in a couple cards now, um, is a, a Gixian. Basically, thousands of years ago on Dominaria, there was this cult of uh, called the Brotherhood of Gix. Um, you know, Gix being the first Phyrexian Praetor, and the Praetor, uh, you know, most directly um, in communion with Yagmoth. Um, the Brotherhood of Gix was uh, there when Shieldred uh, transported over to Dominaria, uh, you know, spread her oil. Shieldred, I think I was starting to talk about this earlier, Shieldred is fairly unique among the other Praetors in that she follows... A lot of the old ways of Yagmoth. Um, she has. Uh, she uses sleeper agents the same way Yagmoth did and Gix did in the olden days. Uh, you know, Zancha, Urza's friend, who he converted over from Phyrexia, was a sleeper agent. Although a kind of different sort than what Shieldred's up to these days. But like in Dominaria United, where we see the second, um, you know, second Phyrexian invasion, uh, there's all these people who have been like basically secretly abducted and like completed without their knowledge so that they are kind of uh, unknowingly to themselves and their, you know, supposed allies uh, acting in the interests of Phyrexia. There's a great like kind of witch hunt series of stories you could check out um, that deal with uh, Karn trying to, trying desperately and very awkwardly, because Karn is awkward, he's not very social, um, does not, like, get human cues very well, 
um, Karn very, like, awkwardly trying to impress upon his friends, like Teferi, other planeswalkers, that there is an imperative and, like, a just urgent necessity that they deal with the Phyrexian uh, invasion. Karn actually witnesses uh, Shieldred um, being repaired by and nurtured by Rona and the Brotherhood of uh, Gix. Um, and so Karn, like, goes to this, like, war council of many of the, the most powerful uh, leaders of Dominaria on Dominaria and some planeswalkers like Jaya and, and uh, Teferi, very old ancient planeswalkers themselves who maintained their sparks from before the mending. And uh, Karn is like futile, futilely, futilely trying to impress upon them that the Phyrexian threat is real and needs to be taken seriously. And a lot of them are just kind of like, I don't know, like, is it? Are they real? Like, are they back? I don't think so. We killed Yagmoth, remember? Um, and of course, many of them w don't want to believe the the truth. So, you know, uh, Karn comes to realize that there is at least one sleeper agent in their midst who is deliberately trying to muddy the waters and, and poison the well and steer them away from uh, Phyrexia or from recognizing the truth of, you know, the Phyrexian presence on Dominaria. So, Karn... Let's see. We can skip ahead a little bit. The Phyrexians uh, invade Dominaria basically with the single objective of capturing Karn. Um, so they cease their, their uh, invasion at the point where Shieldred... Uh, kidnaps uh, uh, Karn and makes back to New Phyrexia with him, which is bad, right? Like, and the whole, his whole knowledge of the Silex is lost because of that, lost to the other planeswalkers because Karn has been kidnapped. Um, and it's unclear what plans they have for him. Do they plan to reinstall him as father of machines? Who knows? We'll see. Um, so then, um... I guess where to go from there. At that point, um, the assembled planeswalkers, uh, you know, recognize the threat of Phyrexia, and they decide to follow Karn's plan of recreating the Silex. Um, to do this, uh, they devise a mechanism whereby Teferi can go back in time, in spirit only, and in spirit only thanks to uh, Kaya's ghost form abilities. Uh, so that he won't be influencing events of the past or disrupting the time stream, but he can go back and observe um, the events of the Brothers' War and learn how the Silex was used and learn a little bit more about uh, its, not just its activation, but its effects. So uh, he does this. He is successful in, in learning this information. And Sahili is successful in recreating uh, a version of the Silex that, um, you know, is, is then referred to as the filigree Silex. Uh, 
So, and we actually have three different versions of the Psylocke. Four, I guess. There's the original one that very bizarrely destroys all cards from the Antiquities expansion. Uh, <laughs> which I think in the rules text, it's like, listen, we can't, we can't tell you to do this by expansion symbol, because that's not a thing Black Border Magic cares about, or I guess, you know, non-Acorn Magic now cares about. But, <laughs> you destroy all cards, like, we're, we're not going to list it, go on, go on the website or something. <laughs> uh, all cards originally printed in this expansion. That's a weird one, we, we don't talk about that. Uh, Karn Silex was printed in Dominaria United, it's a, a form of board wipe. Of course, this was the device that was then uh, destroyed, um, or taken, taken by Shieldred, something like that, uh, Karn Silex. Um, then we have Urza's Silex, which was the, you know, a uh, uh, new design for the original one that Urza used to, you know, nuke Tirisir. Uh, then we have the Filigree Silex, which appears in All Will Be One, um, and it's the, the version that uh, Sahili comes up with. Okay, so the fire or the planeswalkers uh, rally. They create a strike team and they head into uh, New Phyrexia for the first time. This is the first time that many planeswalkers have been back to New Phyrexia. Um, I believe the team is Jace, Elspeth, Kaya, uh, Nahiri. Oh. I'm going to run into some difficulties here. Uh, blah, blah, blah. There's more Planeswalkers that appear in the set. Oh, Kaito. Uh, I believe the Wandering Emperor uh, is another. Um, there's other Planeswalkers that appear in the set, and some that appear that are revealed having been completed, uh, which is distressing. Um Koth is already on Mirrodin. You know, he's been maintaining the fight this whole time. Along with this girl I haven't mentioned, uh, a young woman named uh, Malira, uh, who has the very weird uh, property of not... like, of repelling metal and oil. Like, so normally Mirrodin's, because metal so suffuses the plane, Mirrodin's are all born with, like, metal plates in them and, like, metal protuberances. You can look at some old art from from any Mirrodin set, any any species, like, the everyone from the, the elves to the Leonin have, like, you know, metal cords for hair or, you know, like, metal, like, pauldrons kind of built into their... just popping right out of their shoulders... Um, metal gauntlets that are part of their arms. Um, that's just the nature of the plane. And Malira is from the Silvok tribe, which were the green-aligned humans. She uh, was born without any metal as part of her, and she was kind of an outcast for it, you know, in among her people. Uh, later turned out that she provided hope for the Mirren resistance because she was also immune to the Phyrexian oil. So, um, and she was able to, to use her powers to, uh, to use her powers to cure others of early stage Phyresis as well. 
Um, okay, so, uh, where are we going here? Um, so, let's see, the Planeswalker Strike Team, like, kind of crash lands on New Phyrexia because, uh, and this is the first time, like, why would you just go to New Phyrexia on a Lark? Everything there is, like, wanting to kill or complete you. Um, but they kind of crash land. Uh, they hit, like, a planar shield, uh, as it were, and the, the group gets separated. Um, they land on the first sphere of Phyrexia, which is called the Monumental Facade. It is bare except for a statuary of the Phyrexian Praetors and uh, random Phyrexians, like, uh, you know, worshipping the statues, essentially. Um, they make it down to the Mirex, which is the next level. This was the original surface of Mirrodin. Basically, old Phyrexia had nine spheres, kind of like hell in Dante's Inferno. Old Phyrexia, because I, I think originally Phyrexia was conceived as machine hell. Like, it was where bad machines go when they die, like that episode of Futurama. Um... And then it kind of deviated to, you know, something else a little bit. But, uh, so Phyrexia had nine spheres. Mirrodin had a, an outer layer and an inner core, which was filled with mycosynth, like this kind of uh, fungal sort of metal, you know, uh, organism, if you will. Um, the Phyrexians have like, stripped Mirrodin of resources to create uh, seven additional spheres, basically. One outside old Mirrodin, which is wild, uh, and that is the monumental facade. Then you have the Mirex, which is the old surface of Mirrodin. That's where most of the, the Mirin uh, resistance is based. And then you've got, be beneath that, I want to say, the... Um, uh, the maze. There's an adjective for it that I'm forgetting. Um, the hunter maze. That's Vorinclex's sphere, his special domain where he, like, smashes people against each other in the hopes of finding the best and strongest. Uh, like, basically an accelerated natural, uh, selection, form of natural selection. Um, in, in favor, in hopes of finding the strongest Phyrexian creature. Then you've got the Surgical Bay, which is Jingataxius's sphere beneath that, and that's where he conducts, like, horrible experiments without any sense of, of, you know, medical or scientific ethics, Vivis vivisections and, and gross stuff. Um, then you've got, uh, the Oh no, is the Quiet Furnace outside the Hunter Maze? It might be. I don't know. Or between the Hunter Maze and the Surgical Bay? I'm not sure. But those are the first three. And the, the Quiet Furnace is uh, Urabrask's domain. It's, it's less violent, less scary. Um, it's just kind of like where the the bellows and foundries of New Phyrexia are located, and uh, Urabrask runs his ship a little bit, his sphere a little differently from the other Praetors. 
Um, it's still kind of a Phyrexian hellscape, but he's not like, like, you know, on the, the prowl for uncompleted Mirans. Um, and then you've got the Dross Pits, which is, uh, Shieldred Sphere. The Dross Pits are a realm ruled by the Steel Thanes. Uh, Shieldred was one of them originally, and, uh, achieved supremacy over the others. Um, and it's kind of a, a dog-eat-dog sort of place. Um, and then you've got beneath that, the Fair Basilica, which is Elish Norn's domain. Um, it's basically like a, a, the whole sphere is like a giant cathedral to Elish Norn, to the glory of Phyrexia and so forth. Beneath that, you've got the Mycosynth Gardens, and the, the, I think this is the old core of Mirrodin. Beneath that is, uh, the Seed Core. Um, we'll get to that. So the Mirrodin, or the, the Planeswalker Strike Team, the Gatewatch and Allies, uh, get to the Mirren Resistance. Um, Nahiri, unfortunately, takes a wound, uh, on the surface, uh, on the monumental facade, which is, you know, giving her, uh, she's beginning to turn into a zombie, but in classic zombie movie fashion, she hasn't really told anybody, uh, that it's just kind of simmering. Um, so then, uh, basically with the help of the Mirren resistance, uh, and Urabrask leading a rebellion against Urish, Elish Norn, um, the uh, the strike team uh, manages to slip into the dross pits, um, skip a few of the, the spheres or navigate quickly through them and get to the dross pits. Um, basically, what's, what's happened is, and why they're trying to nuke Basically, so they, they wanted the Silex in the first place so they could nuke New Phyrexia, but specifically the New Phyrexian uh, world tree uh, that Elish Norn is calling Realm... that the, the Phyrexian Praetors at large are calling Realm Breaker. And this is their big plan that they, you know, based on the sap that Vorinclex stole from Kaldheim, they're using this world tree, a Phyrexian world tree, to contact every plane in the multiverse and conquer it, spread the oil and, uh, you know, complete every plane. All will be one. This is the goal. And it's pretty terrifying. Um, so, uh, Phyrexia, let's see. So, the planeswalkers kind of make it deep into they they get to the dross pits they're swept up in in a conflict with uh the uh jace learns vraska is there and has been completed if you don't know jason vraska had kind of a, a romance at one time go read the ixalan story for more on that um uh they, they end up in the Phyrexian arena in the Dross Pits, and uh, they are fighting uh, for their survival. Nahiri kind of ends, ends it um, 
and crashes them into the fair basilica by using her immense lithomancy to like basically crack the Phyrexian arena through the surface of the dross pits and send them tumbling into the fair basilica. So they end up in the fair basilica. They uh, find it deserted because Elish Norn is and her forces are busy attending to Urabrask's rebellion. Um, at this time, I believe Shieldred also is in a state of rebellion, which is kind of funny because based on the color pie, like, uh, you know, the two enemies of white are black and red. Go figure. Uh, also, fun explainer for Atraxa. Why, why is Atraxa four colors? Um, A, because she was created for the Commander 2016 uh, pre-constructed decks, which was four color. Um, but B, and the, the kind of backronym sort of explanation, retcon for that, was that when Atraxa was created, uh, all the Praetors contributed some of their knowledge and, uh, uh, you know, skill to creating her, except for Urabrask, who, you know, bowed out, basically. So he was not involved. Um... Okay, we're getting we're we're running long here, but I didn't want to break this into two. So basically, uh where are we at? Um the Praetors uh No, not there yet. Um so the strike force uh finds gets into the Mycosynth uh gardens, finds that the world tree is already uh, breaching other planes with omen paths and that there are invasion ships at the ready that are already starting to depart into other planes. So basically, it's too late. <laughs> it's too late. They're there late. But yeah, oh yeah. So they wanted to use the filigree silex to nuke the world tree, destroy it, potentially destroy all of New Phyrexia, and just, you know, like wipe it clean, start again. Those are the words of the silex engraved in the original Silex as well. Um, so they encounter Karn, who's, like, been kind of, like, imprisoned and somewhat dismembered. He's alive, but, you know, not in his right head. Um, and not completed, fortunately. Uh, and then we have... Um, What am I, what am I thinking? Um, yeah, so they're at the World Tree. Jace ta has taken a stab wound from, uh, Vraska, um, which is beginning to turn him into a Phyrexian. He realizes he doesn't have a lot of time left, so he, like, quickly, when they get to the tree, he quickly begins unpacking and arming the Silex. Um, Kaito and Kaya have some uh, quibbles, because they're like, wait, if they're already opening, if they're already opening omen paths into other planes, then we kind of missed it, what's the point? And, like, what if, by, you know, causing this massive, you know, conflagration in New Phyrexia, that spreads to other planes and destroys them as well? And Jace is kind of like, well, they were already going to become Phyrexians if we didn't do anything, so kind of still have to do it. Um, 
And meanwhile, some of the planeswalkers are drawn away because uh, Elish Norn returns with uh, revealing uh, some other completed planeswalkers, Nyssa, uh, Luca. Oh, Luca was part of the strike team, but got led astray. Later shows up. Oops, he's been completed. Um, what else? So, yeah, and Elspeth is detained by uh, fighting a Johnny, her one-time friend and mentor. I, again, kind of tragically, the same way that they deliberately set up Vraska to fight uh, Jace. Um, so Jace starts arming the Silex, but, you know, it's unclear what would happen if he detonated it at the World Tree. Like, would it destroy the Phyrexian connection to other worlds? Have they, have, has the glistening oil made it to other worlds in the first place? What, what will happen? Um, however, as he's arming it, Elspeth gets the Silex and he begins filling it, which is the way that all these Silexes are activated. He begins filling it with memories of the land, all the, the pain and sadness and loss that Mirrodin itself has, uh, has experienced through the Phyrexian and, uh, the, the Mirren Phyrexian war and, and its aftermath. Um, all the, you know, death and destruction and, uh, violence that will come of, uh, the Phyrexians invading other planes and completing on other planes. Um, just horrible tragedy, like, waiting to, to unfold. So he fills the Silex with memories of the land, and at the last moment, Elspeth grabs the Silex and planes walks away into the Blind Eternities, which is the space between planes. So what happens... I don't know. I think she decides that, like, she doesn't want to risk destroying all these planes, um, that she'll take her chances with the Phyrexians. Where is it detonated? I don't know. My, my theory, and I'm going to get this on paper now, is that by destroying the, like, if she detonated it in the Blind Eternities, then it will destroy the space between the planes, causing a permanent, like, running together of the planes, or the, causing the veil between planes to, to thin. Um, that's my, my theory. And that would explain why we might start seeing, like, legendary creatures on other planes that, that you know, don't belong there, that aren't planeswalkers. Because legendary creatures are mechanically important um, to the game for commander purposes. So it's important that, you know, oh, we want to bring, uh, you know, Thalia from Innistrad onto, like, you know, uh, Ikoria or something. We can't just make her a planeswalker and have her show up there. That's also, it also allows you to tell more limited stories where Thalia goes to Ikoria for a bit. But that's kind of it. And then she's back to Innistrad. Um, it's not like, oh, now suddenly she's like a plane hopping. Like, she's going to show up on Zendikar next week. And what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> um, and it allows planes to maintain some of their identity that uh, is so key to not just the magic IP, but like a lot of players' enjoyment of, of the story. Having these very distinct uh, themed planes. Um, but that's just a theory. What will happen next is unclear. A lot of planeswalkers have been completed. There are 
we, we know at least that a lot of uh, planes have been contacted by Phyrexia and will be endangered by Phyrexia and invaded by them. So how will this shake out? Honestly, the damage seems irreversible. Like, uh, we, we saw today that Heliod, the sun god of Theros, has been completed. The flavor text reveals that you complete the faith to complete the god. And then once you complete the god, you complete the plane. Um, so that seems pretty damaging and pretty bad, pretty irreversible. So who knows how they'll get out of this scrape. I wonder if Teferi is going to like reset stuff on a major scale, go back in time and say none of this happened. Uh, <laughs> we will find out. All right. So I've talked at length about the role of Phyrexia in the story. There's more to say, like, why did Tezzeret work with the Phyrexians? What's his angle? It's kind of an interesting story there where he was promised a dark steel body by Elish Norn and actually gets it, <laughs> though there are some vulnerabilities there. So he's not going to be, like, fully indestructible and, uh, and invulnerable going forward. We'll see. Um, yeah, more, more to say, but I'm going to leave it there. As always, thank you all for listening. Uh, love you guys. Glad you're here.